even as we uh, celebrate something great, we also have some sad uh, family news. Uh, this morning, we found out overnight that John Barron passed away suddenly yesterday, and uh, we're going to pray for Tammy and, and Jacob and Nathan and, and Paige. Um, we don't have any information about any services or anything that may be happening this week, but we will keep you posted um, through Facebook, our website, as to what um, may be happening uh, in the weeks ahead regarding a memorial. So let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what is our only hope in life and in death that we have been set free purchased, redeemed by our good Savior, Jesus. And Lord, we live now in this broken, fallen world, and we face sudden, tragic news, the death of a husband and a father. And Lord, we cry out to you, dying people in the midst of a dying land, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, bring comfort. Bring comfort to, to Tammy and to Jacob and to Nathan and to Paige. Lord, bring comfort to other family and friends of the barons. Lord, thank you for their part, part in the gospel here at Good News. Lord, we ask you, as we open your word this morning, Lord, we need hope in the gospel. and We ask you to help us see Jesus on every page and every verse of this passage this morning, that we might leave here with great hope and strong courage to face all that life might bring us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's shocking, right? You, you hear of death. You hear about John. This past few weeks, four of my closest friends, their mothers died. And when I hear about the death of a mother, the death of a husband, the death of a wife, the death of a father, a son, when I hear about death, I weep. It breaks my heart. I hate death. But there's something worse than physical death. And what's worse than physical death is eternal death to be separated from God and everything good forever. And I want you to know that there's only one true gospel. There's only one sure escape from eternal death, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ alone as he's offered in the gospel. You heard someone this morning. Terry professed his faith in Christ publicly. He had saving faith, and he said so. Do you? Because there's nothing more important than knowing the one true gospel. And it's why we love to share it. I have the best job in the world. I get to tell you and people around the world, I get to tell you the thing that my heart needs more than anything else. Jesus. I get to make a big deal about the one who is willing to become nothing for me. And I invite you this morning to listen to the one true gospel according to Exodus. 
we're going to walk through Exodus chapter 8, and we're going to find the one true gospel, even in Exodus chapter 8, because the Bible's one story from beginning to end. It's all about Jesus, and from beginning to end, it tells us the one true gospel. Now, you need to know it's so important that you pay attention this morning because there are so many false gospels that are being proclaimed. People are telling us the gospel of safety. Oh, if you just be safe, if you just watch out, protect yourself, that you'll live a long, healthy life. But is that all that this life is, is safety? There's a, there's a success gospel that people will proclaim that if you work really hard and you move up the ladder, you'll be successful and then you'll be somebody. But what do we do? When that job we've worked all our life for, what do we do when it's not quite as good as we thought? What do we do when success seems so fleeting and passing? What do we lock our heart into? Success is a false gospel. Safety is a false gospel. Politics is a false gospel. The gospel, the one true gospel, does not proclaim a president. It proclaims a king who is king over everything. What do you do when the person you voted for doesn't win? Are you undone? Are you crushed? Are you defeated? Are you despairing? Are you hopeless? Or do you cast yourself upon the king of kings and lord of lords who says, It's okay, because my one true gospel is still true. Do you see how much we need the one true gospel? Listen, it's not just something we believed at some point in our life, maybe at camp, maybe at vacation Bible school, maybe in youth group, maybe in college, maybe right here in this room was the time when you found saving faith in Christ alone. But the gospel isn't something for just back then. No, the gospel is what we need today, so you're in just the right place. You're in just the right place to be reminded, even as I remind myself of the one true gospel. So let's jump in. Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord. Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your servants. So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the streams, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And so Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. The magicians did the same thing with their secret arts, making frogs come up. On the land of Egypt. The one true gospel is about the power of God 
to reveal his glory. The point of the one true gospel is that God would be known to be the one great creating God who is superior to every other God. And through all these plagues, all the deities, all the false gospels, all the false gods of Egypt are going to be laid low. They're going to be shown for the weak, puny gods that they really are. So the god Hecate was one of the pantheon of gods in Egypt. And Hecate was responsible. Oftentimes, she or he would be shown in a, having the appearance of a frog. So the frogs were sacred. And Hecate was helpful to Egypt because Hecate kept the crocodiles at, at bay, protected the crocodiles so that the crocodiles would keep the frogs at bay and keep them from overflowing the people. He said, I don't get it. Well, at my house in St. Augustine, we back up to the preserve, Moses Creek Preserve. And in the summertime, when it rains, frogs just spontaneously seem to erupt out of the dirt. It's like they're asleep in the dirt. And then the rain comes and the heat comes and they just erupt and they're noisy. You can't go outside at night. It's so loud. Imagine how loud it would have been in Egypt. All these frogs everywhere. Ribbit. Ribbit. So loud. And gross. Hopping around everywhere. What's the point? That God. God is greater than Hecate. And God is greater than every god of Egypt. Our God is king and creator. He is the great and glorious God. And you say, well, the magicians did it too. Well, they did. But they couldn't get rid of the frogs. The only thing the magicians prove is, is that Egypt is in big trouble because they don't have a solution for God's coming wrath against them. As long as they keep holding Israel, they are in big, big trouble. Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, the honor is yours to tell me when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs may be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile. Does, does Pharaoh yet have a changed heart? We don't know. We know that he has a pained heart, but a pained heart is not a changed heart. A pained heart can say, God, let me off the hook. But a changed heart can say, God, I'm yours. I worship you. I honor you. I'll follow you. And Pharaoh may have a pained heart, but he does not yet have a changed heart. But Moses, Moses, we see Moses beginning to lean in to who he is as a worker in the harvest. We see Moses leaning in to his new identity as a follower of the one true God who now has been given this incredible mission to lead captive Israel free. And what is he doing? He's beginning to pray. 
Verse 10, Pharaoh says, tomorrow. So he said, may it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people, and they will be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of the Lord. Sorry, according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out. The houses, the courts, and the fields. So they piled them in heaps. The land became foul. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Moses is learning to trust the Lord. We've seen Moses grow over our study of the book of Exodus, haven't we? Aren't you glad that, that leaders can grow? Aren't you glad that it's never too late? It's never too late for you. Moses is now 80 years old and he's still learning. He's still learning as he follows Jesus. He's still learning as he follows the great I am. And, and the great I am has taught him the value and the power of prayer. Just as Jesus taught his disciples and modeled in his life how to live in dependent prayer, and as we have taken upon ourselves the same type of habit, we want to be people of prayer. We want to live by the motto that it's by prayer. It's not by the gifting of our leaders. It's not by the generosity of our people alone. Oh, we want to have gifted leaders. We want to have generous people, but our hope, is in the God of Israel, and we want to accomplish mission in his world through prayer. That's what, Je that's what Paul, it's not Jesus, it's not Paul, it's Moses. It's what Moses uh, shows us. Now, on your seat were these bracelets, and I want to invite you this week. We have some students who are going this weekend on a retreat an unashamed weekend. It's a D-Now weekend, and they're going to learn more to follow Jesus. And I'm praying that some of our students will come to faith in Christ. More importantly, I'm, I'm praying that our students would learn to be unashamed, and they would learn to take upon themselves the mantle of being Christ followers who would follow Jesus into the harvest. And in order for that to happen, I need to be praying for it, and I need you to be praying for it. Moses learns the value and the priority of prayer. Would you, listen, would you take this bracelet and, and put it on now? And this week, as you spend time with Jesus, every morning, I want you to ask him, Lord, make me unashamed. And Lord, make our students unashamed. And pray for our students and their leaders as they go on the unashamed weekend, this coming weekend. And I can't wait to hear what God does. I can't wait to, to share it with you. What our God will do, just as he worked through the prayers of Moses. And in answer to the prayers of Moses, the plague of frogs was abated. Oh, that the one true gospel of Jesus would run 
through St. John's County. And it would run through the hearts of students. And through the hearts and lives of students, it would run through middle schools and high schools and teams. And a generation would be raised up who truly are unashamed. And we could learn from them how to be unashamed too. Verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth that it may become, uh, that it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. And they did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried with their secrets arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Slowly but surely, God is turning up the heat on Pharaoh. He doesn't come all at once. He doesn't strike with the final fatal blow in the tenth plague. When the firstborn in every home that's not covered by the blood of the Passover lamb, when that happens, then it's too late. But up until then, God is moving, turning up the heat, bit by bit by bit. And the one true gospel, we think the one true gospel goes to people and they either say yes or no, but I've found in my life that I heard the gospel so many times before I responded. I just didn't have ears to hear. I didn't have eyes to see Jesus. And God in his grace and mercy is turning up the heat on Egypt bit by bit by bit. But now, it's getting a little hotter because the gnats come without warning and the magicians are unable to answer and they know more than anyone that this is the work of God alone. Oh, that we would know that the one true gospel is the power of God. The one true gospel is the finger of God going out into the world to save sinners. And don't be discouraged if the first time you share it with your friend, your spouse, your coworker, your teammate, your classmate, they say, eh, don't be discouraged. Pray, trust the Father to turn up the heat by the Holy Spirit and to give them the desire and the power to respond to Jesus. Verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and on your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they dwell. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign will occur. Then the Lord did so. 
And there came a great swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and the houses of his servants, and the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. When the one true gospel moves, there's a division. There's either hunger or there's hostility. There's a division. There's people who have received the one true gospel, who have believed in Jesus, and there are people who have not yet believed, either because they haven't heard or because they've rejected the one true gospel. But I want you to know that there is a division. As we share the one true gospel, you have to expect that there will be a division between those who believe and those who reject. And we're not filled with pride as the people who have received Christ were brokenhearted over the rejection, not only because of the terrible effects that it will have on the life of the person who's rejected Jesus, but because we're brokenhearted that anyone could ever turn their backs on the beautiful one, Jesus. That anyone who looks into the Word of God and sees the glory of Jesus could never turn their backs. But it happens. And it breaks our heart. And we need to know that there is a division between those who respond with hunger and those who respond with hatred. Pharaoh called, verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, it's not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will make supplication to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Pharaoh now begins to bargain. He's trying to make a deal. He's trying to make a deal with God. And God doesn't make deals. His only condition is absolute and complete surrender to his will. That's the only condition he'll accept, is full and complete trust in Christ alone. Saving faith is complete surrender and trust in Christ. It's not temporary faith. Pharaoh has temporary faith. Saving faith is not temporary faith. Let me illustrate it. I'm not a fan of flying. When I get on an airplane, I'm tempted to have temporary faith. Oh, Lord, please let this airplane take off, and please let this airplane land. And I'm, pro, I'm tempted in my heart, as, even as a follower of Jesus, I'm tempted to make a deal with God. And you know what he does? He's so kind. First of all, he's incredibly kind because up to this point, my greatest fear has never happened. The plane I'm in has never gone down. Thank you, Jesus. 
despite my temporary faith, despite my unbelief. But the other thing he does that is so kind is that he reminds me, oh, Dave, you don't need temporary faith. You don't need to make a deal with me. We've, ever, we've already locked it in. You're in Christ. If the plane goes down, you go up. You're in Christ. You don't need temporary faith. You have saving faith. That's why it's so important to believe the one true gospel. Because we're so tempted to believe false gospels, to make deals with God, and God says, no deals. I've made one opportunity. It's Christ alone, or it's nothing at all. And if you've received Christ, you have it all. And if you haven't received Christ, won't you? Won't you follow him? Verse 30, Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked. You hear that? The Lord did it. As Moses prayed, God answered his prayers and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh from his servants, from his people, not one remained but Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he did not let the people go. Pharaoh again, with the pain resolved and taken away, his heart becomes hardened. A pained heart isn't a changed heart. And Pharaoh's heart stays hard against the Lord and against Moses and against God's people. And he doesn't let them go. And Moses, now, twice, we've seen God answer prayer in removing the frogs and now in removing the flies. And we may see and enjoy answers to prayer that seem to us to be incomplete. It seems to us that we see God working. We see things happening, but, but it seems incomplete. Do you ever have that experience? Do you ever think, God, I, I know you're real. I, I sense you're real, but Lord, it just seems like you're not going all the way with this person. What's with that? I, I'm praying for my neighbor, and things are getting worse for them. What's with that? I'm praying for my spouse, and he's becoming more hard-hearted. What's with that? The one true gospel comes to me when I am discouraged in my praying, when I'm prone to give up prayer and say, God, I'm praying, and Pharaoh's still hard-hearted. The world is still hard-hearted. People are not responding to Christ the way I wish they would. I don't know if I can go on praying. And you know what God does? He reminds me that I have a prayer team behind me. If you want to be encouraged in prayer, learn this. That you have a prayer team behind you. Listen, and it's not me. And it's not your small group. And I, No, I'm praying for you. And I hope your small group is praying for you. But you have an even better uh, prayer team than that. Turn to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, we find out what will keep us going in prayer. Isn't our resolve to pray 
isn't our duty or our obligation to pray. It isn't the fact that other humans are praying for us. But Romans chapter 8 tells us that we have a prayer team, the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself. Verse, Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You have a prayer warrior in the Holy Spirit. Think of that. Don't you think we would pray more for our students this week if we believed that the Holy Spirit was also praying with us and for us? But it gets even better than that. There's more. Not only do we have the grace of the Holy Spirit supporting and helping and lifting our prayers, but we also have the prayers of Jesus himself. Verse 34, the one true gospel tells us that Jesus is praying for you. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. We have a Savior named Jesus, and he's praying for you. Oh, I'm praying for you. Your small group leader's praying for you. Your elders are praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. And if we begin to see that God, the Holy Spirit, and God, the Son, Jesus, is praying for us now, we'll look at this bracelet and we'll say, oh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Help me to pray for our students. Help me to pray for their leaders. Help me to pray for this weekend that kids will be reached with the gospel and others will be reached through them in the power of the gospel. And they would learn to live unashamed. We can do it because we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. We have the one true gospel. And so where do we go from here? I want you this week to apply the gospel in all of life. To apply the gospel in all of life. We need the gospel in all of life. We need the gospel in our homes. We need the gospel in our church. We need the gospel in the marketplace. And the one true gospel is pictured in Moses. The one true gospel is this, that Jesus came to save us. And what's pictured in Moses in Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 and verse 20, is God's promise that I will set my people free. Exodus chapter 8, verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. The one true gospel tells us that we've been saved by God for God. We've been saved by God alone. Those who are in Christ are God's people. Let my people go. Oh, do you have a sense that God the Father has set his love upon you? He now says you are his. He puts his 
first-person possessive pronoun on you. Even you. He says, you are mine. You're my people. Because you're his people, he would not do anything to leave you in bondage to sin. But he has come to save you and to set you free. And what's pictured in the Exodus is what Jesus has accomplished for us. We've been saved by God from the penalty of sin, which is death, and the power of sin that held us captive. And Jesus Christ has come to save us from the wrath of God. What's pictured in all of these plagues is that our God is loving toward his people, but he's just, and he must punish sin. And the wrath of God can only be set aside by a substitute. Jesus Christ is our substitute. We're saved by God. We're saved from God. We're saved for God. Let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go that they might live for me. Let my people go that they might be with me. Galatians chapter 1 makes the connection between the Exodus and the story of the gospel. Galatians 1, verse 3. Grace, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue. There's the Exodus. There's the deliverance. There's the seeking and saving Savior. There's what Moses points to. Jesus, the rescuer. That he might rescue us from this present evil age. This present evil world. This present world that is against God and, and against his people. We've been rescued out of that. According to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever Amen. We've, we're saved by God. His grace, His peace, the love of the Father, the work of the Son, the direct operation of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have moved to rescue you. And He says, now worship me. This is all to the glory of God. Rescued people are worshipers. Let them go that they may serve me. Rescued people worship God, honor God, want to glorify God in all that they do. This is the big story of your life. If you're in Christ, this is what God the Father wants you to get into. This is where renewal happens. This is where life begins to flow. How does it start? Has it started for you? It could start right now. It starts when we become aware of the great love of God for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life.
Do you know the Son? And through faith in the Son alone, His sacrifice on the cross for you, do you know Him? Have you trusted Him? No deals, no bargains. It's Christ alone. Do you know Him? Trust Him. Transfer your trust from yourself to Christ. If you've never done that and you need help, come up after the service. I would love to talk to you about how to put your trust in Jesus. But if you have trusted him, where do we go from here? Galatians 1 tells us, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which I received, he is to be accursed. The stakes are high for followers of Jesus. There's one true gospel, and our desire is to apply the gospel in every area of our life. We apply the gospel personally. We apply the gospel to our life every day, personally. If you're not reading through the New Testament with us, the New Testament, the whole Bible is one story. It's the gospel. But the New Testament especially reveals the glory of Jesus and his gospel. Won't you join us? We're going to be finishing the book of Mark. We're going to see this week. Jump in with us right at the end of Mark. We're going to see our Savior and the sacrifice he was willing to make for us. And we're going to see the hope that we have, that the best really is yet to come because a dead man walked out of a grave. Won't you join us? Apply the gospel personally by spending time with Jesus. Apply the gospel Together in biblical community, keep coming back to worship. Keep coming back to worship and and get involved in a small group. And let me tell you, it's, it's it's a gospel issue. Because until we believe that there is something more dangerous than a virus to our soul, then we will not be moved to return to worship and return to small group. But if we believe that there is something more dangerous than than being together, and that's not being together, then we won't be moved. It's a gospel issue. If the gospel is telling your heart that you've been set free from the greatest danger of all, hell, then suddenly the danger of being together with other people will seem nothing compared to the freedom that you've already received from something far more dangerous. It's a gospel issue. It's an issue of the heart. So do life together. Keep coming to worship. Start coming back to worship. Believe the gospel for yourself and do life in biblical community together with others. And then finally, take the gospel to your neighbors your friends and your co-workers take the gospel into the harvest field the more we know what we have received in Christ do you know what triggers that when we share it with others the more we share him with others the more real he becomes in our life and I pray 
that you might be active in sharing your faith, that you might know everything you have in Christ. Do you not know anyone who could help you? Who could? Who could help you begin to live on mission with God? Do you have a friend? Do you have someone in the church that you know who seems to be living well on mission with God? Why don't you go to them? This week, ask them to go to lunch. Invite them into your life. Ask them to help you live on mission. Ask someone to help you apply the one true gospel to every area of your life. Ask for help. And if you don't know anyone, if you don't know anyone in this church who can help you, I'm Dave. I'd be happy to help. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how we need you. We need you to believe the gospel, and we need you to apply the gospel. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Father, for some, maybe watching online, for some, maybe sitting in this room, they've, they've heard the one true gospel this morning and their hearts have been stirred. But they've never had saving faith. And if that's true of you, won't you put your trust in Christ alone? No deals, no bargains, no temporary faith, but saving faith. Would you say to him, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Holy Spirit, what would you say to your church this morning? For these things and, and everything you might lead us to as we follow you this week, we trust you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite uh, our elders to come up, and they have an announcement to make this morning. Good morning, good news. Um, as you know, since Andy's uh, announcement in December, um, the campus uh, pastor search team has been hard at work to find a new uh, pastor for our church. Um, they worked through over 60 resumes from around the world um, and narrowed it down to seven candidates uh, that were then um, phone interviewed. And from those phone interviews, uh, they narrowed it down to three finalists. Um, they, through Zoom meetings and face-to-face -face interviews with those three finalists, um, they were all closely evaluated. Uh, the campus uh, search team then took time away uh, in prayer uh, to seek God's wisdom and guidance for Good News Church. Um, and each person expressed their position, and the team voted unanimously, excuse me, voted unanimously on a final recommendation. 
the campus pastor search team then recommended to the elder board uh, that Dave Ackerman be asked to take the role of the World Golf Village campus pastor. Um, at that time, the elders discussed in length um, as well uh, to offer the position to Dave. And so then this week, Dave graciously, wholeheartedly, and enthusiastically expressed his, um, accepted his role as the new pastor for War Golf Village. Um, so it's an exciting time for Good News Church. Um, at this time, um, I'm going to ask John to, to pray for us, and then uh, Pastor Dave is going to come up and send us out with a final benediction. Yeah. All right, so this time we're going to just put our hands on Dave and just kind of uh, and pray for him. So if you guys would bow your heads and please pray with me as well. So God, I want to thank you for Dave. Thank you for his commitment to serving you uh, for so many years, for serving as our interim pastor, um, for the search team, for volunteering their time to go through the list of applicants, <clears throat> going through the interview process to find the best person to lead this campus. Um, I'm thankful that I've been able to get to know Dave over the past few years, and he is a great guy, and more importantly, he is a devoted follower, follower of you, God. Um, I pray that our congregation will be able to get to know him as well, too, and I'm just really excited to see where you will take us, Lord. Um, our hope is in you alone, Lord, and I pray that you will just cover him with the armor of God. Again, thank you so much for Dave. Thank you for uh, all the things that you do for us, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. along. I want you to know you've made it really easy to say yes, and I thank you. Uh, the elders have made it really easy to say yes, and I'm so thankful to have a group of men who love Christ and love his church. <clears throat> I also want you to know I'm scared to death. I love Jesus, and I don't want to let him down. And I love Andy Herco, and I don't want to let him down. But most importantly, I love you. And I know that I will disappoint you. When I do, I would love for you to come to me, and let's work on it together. And if we can't figure it out, then we'll invite someone else to come and help us too. But oh, don't, don't ever just leave without coming and, and talking to me. Please, I love y'all. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be a part of Good News Church for the past 15 years, and I'm thankful for this opportunity that's been entrusted to me. Let me send you out with the same benediction that my heart so much needs to hear this morning. Y'all stand up. This is what I need. You need it too. Therefore, my beloved... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Go in grace. Have a great week.